0: When I was praying, uh, what I should teach here, uh, the CEO was very really gracious. They didn't fix my topic very hard, so they gave me an kind of an open way of speaking. The way God would bless me, so I'm glad to say that the Lord gave me to share with you this morning the seven key principles. I've called them seven key principles of giving. Good. I live in Yeri with my family, currently with my wife, and we come from Meru, Tarakanivi, Chuka, that's where my home is, or my dad's home is, and I left college in the year of our Lord, 1,985. Some of you were still in the air with God and wondering whether they agreed to come or not. When you saw how bad the earth was, you are refusing to come and God was you must go and join men. So thank you for agreeing to come. <laughs> we serve together in the earth. And those of us who started reading the Bible, we just started earlier than you, but we want you to read the Bible Along with us. Good. Because of time factor, I'm told to speak up to 12.45, kindly. Finish. I want us to get straight into the topic for the day, the seven key principles of giving. And I want to say that even if you understood just one principle and you applied it, it's good. If you happen to capture that seven, you are most blessed. So, Seven Principles of Giving. Principle number one is that giving is voluntary. It is a natural instinct. Notice that giving was not covered in the Ten Commandments. That means it belongs to a different category. Not covered there. When when giving appears first in Scripture, It appears to us to describe the relationship or the nature. Actually, it is the nature that we are introduced to in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, when Adam and Eve gave birth to two sons, the next thing we hear was their nature. And the nature is that in Genesis 4, from uh, 2b, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil what they were doing for a living. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the fast bones of his flock. Then, incidentally, or by purpose, God decides to respond to their voluntary giving. And so the Bible says, the Lord looked with the favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, in the not look with the favor. Now voluntary thing. So when we come to giving in scripture, the first ever giving that is recorded was voluntarily. But then even if it was voluntarily, God's response is seen in it. So why is God responding? It is because it is shows how the what they thought of God. Abel seems to have thought that God is worthy the first bonds, meaning the very special uh, animal. And then not only did he offer the first one, he also gave the fat portions. He gave God the best. Cain just came and offered in the course of time something. And so God looks with the favor on Abel. But with Cain, he despised all he did not bless him. He did, I think, what was released on Cain uh, is more of a curse. As we move on, we notice that uh, when God wanted Israel to build for him a tabernacle, Moses told the people these ones of the Lord. In uh, Exodus um, Exodus 35, We're just trying to follow the theme Of that giving is voluntary giving And so We notice that God gives them Opportunity to give materials For the building of the tabernacle So he says in verse uh, 5 From what you have Notice from what you have Since you have something You You have left Egypt with a lot of Ornaments, a lot of wealth From what you have Take an offering to the Lord. And he says, Everyone, everything, everyone who is willing is to bring an offering, is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold. Then he goes on to describe all the other things. Now the opening statement is very telling about how God directs them in verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community This is What the Lord Has commanded I want you to capture the word command This is what he has commanded So what has God commanded From what you have From the people who have Take an offering to the Lord Very good Now listen to the command Everyone who is willing Is to bring to the Lord An offering of gold Now, I was thinking the command would be given this way. I command people to give to me because (laughs) because I have given to them. But this command is given in a different way. He is saying, my command, my demand as God, I want only from the people who are willing If they are not willing, I command, they don't give. Do you get the point? Yes, that's what God is saying. This is my command, only the heart which is willing. But for the one that is unwilling, I command, they don't give. That's so important for us in the life of giving. Okay, move forward again, time of David, and they are building the temple. Now, the tabernacle was where God would be meeting with the people. He met with them once in the mountain. He used to meet with Moses in the mountain. Then he came closer to the people. And he wanted a place where he could meet just down there with them. Then during the time of David, now God wanted to have a a permanent place among them, and it's called the temple. Then David told the people, you people of Israel, for me, I've given. No, I want you to give, but I want you to do this. Anyone among you who is willing should give what he feels he has moved in his heart to give. So again, they gave. And David was so happy that people gave willingly. What made David very happy was they gave willingly. What is this issue about willingness that God commands? Now, I imagine this. I'm just now trying to imagine as a godly person. Here is a place where God would be meeting with the people. Here are the tables. Here are the basins. Here are the, the, the everything that was needed for the sacrifice, the lampstands, and God's presence would come there. And he said, here in this presence, where I'm, the material where I will be standing on, I want only from the people that were willing. Because if we end here in these things, the, the sacrifice of people who are unwilling, I will be very unhappy. I will be so unhappy, me and God, to know that I am standing on gold, which people give to me unwillingly. So God is saying, Mm-mm. I want only for the people that are willing. But why should that be so? Now, we might think that, hey, God, you are too much. Why are you making such a big fuss out of giving? But we realize that is what even Paul himself repeats to the church of the Corinthians. Look at what uh, Paul says to the church in the Corinthians, in Second Corinthians 9, 7. This is what he says. It's as if he is reading the mind of Moses and the mind of God, because this is what Paul says. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. What he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compassion. The teaching of the doctrines of the church in the early church, God extends every argument so that now we understand God's might. So he elaborates and he says, No, I don't want to be given by people reluctantly. I don't want to be given by people who feel compelled. No, 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 no. I don't. Then he goes on to say, the reason is, me, God, I love a cheerful giver. So God gives us a reason. Why? Why are you, God, so keen about willingness? It's because me, God, I love a cheerful giver. So how can you put it in the reverse? What about the people that give reluctantly? What does he do to them? Me, God, I hate. Huh? This scripture can be put in the reverse and it is still correct, isn't it? If God loves a cheerful giver, then he hates. Is it not true? This is pure grammar. The opposite of something is, is it? So <laughs> now, brethren, as we get the principles of giving, if somebody is uh, Asking for support And in your heart You don't feel happy In your heart When you judge in your, the core of your heart You don't feel happy Please you are blessed if you don't give Huh Sounds funny isn't it Because God hates Somebody who felt compelled To give now, that's, that's very serious isn't it God loves a cheerful giver huh? And therefore, if you feel compelled, he commanded, I want only people who are willing. And I have commanded that if you feel unwilling, don't give. I don't want to be parted with the offerings of people (laughs) who are feeling compelled. I understand God. Because you see, the creator of the heavens and the earth. in other scriptures, he says, hey, you Israel, don't think I am so hungry. If I wanted food, I would go to the forest and kill every animal and drink, I mean, and eat if I wanted. Don't think I eat, I drink blood of goats. All the animals in the forest are mine. Silver and gold is mine. Why are you treating God as if he is a poor person? God says, no, honor my dignity. I own everything. So if you want to become part of what I'm doing, kindly be willing because I am not in need myself. I am God the owner of heavens and the earth. So if you want to join me, join me willingly. If you don't, you stay and you are okay, you are not cast. But if you do it unwillingly, you take my wrath. Hey? That is honoring God, giving like we are giving to the Lord. That is our eternal God. So when you want people to give, you appeal to them. So you notice then in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul is appealing to the brethren, appealing, oh brethren, please you need to give, you need to, why? Because there is a reason. Until that reason makes you happy, excited, and emotional, then you run to give, because when you do that, God is excited with you. First principle, giving is voluntarily, and it is given willingly. If you feel unwilling for whatever reason, Please don't give. Because we may not see you are not blessed, but the opposite may as well be true. (laughs) You you might be cursed. Think about that more. The second principle is that um, everyone can nurture the gift of giving. Everyone can nurture the gift of giving. So it's like we are saying, giving is a serious business in the kingdom of God. When you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, we get to learn something about the nature of giving. Look at the gifts of the Spirit that are analyzed here gifts of the Spirit. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second, prophets. Than teachers. Now, I want you to hear the seniority, seniority of power and gifts, gifts of operating in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen. First of all, apostles. Second, prophets. then teachers. Then, workers of miracles. You can count 4 fourth, isn't it? Fourth, workers of miracles. Then, sixth, also those having gifts of healing. Uh-huh. Seventh, Those able to. ah, Are you with me or you are not? Where are you? (laughs) We were counting, isn't it? So, I want you to notice in that list those able to help others. Wow. Those. Can you imagine the gift of giving being listed together with the apostolic gift? Because in giving, giving is a serious business in God's kingdom. That's how serious the matter is. Until God has decided that he will empower some people. Those able to, meaning, if it is those able to, it means the majority are not able. Now, we can only give what we have. And because we can only give what we have, it means that we have to work with our own hands to earn something to give. Notice also in Romans 12 verse 8, again the gift of Giving is also put along there with other gifts. Now, because we can only give what we have, the Bible recommends that then we must work with our hands in order to generate wealth to share with other people. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11-12. to Make it your ambition. Make it your ambition. A serious goal in life. To lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. Very good instruction from scripture. To mind, your, to live a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. Work hard, just as you are told. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. So as a Christian, the way to win the respect of outsiders are people who are not born again. To show that even Christians are serious. They work hard, they are diligent they the, the, the work so well like Joseph or Daniel, and that respect is so important in the house of the Lord as well. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. That is excellent. So actually that is the reason why your dad took you to school. He was telling you, 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 you go to school and learn and work very hard because I want you to be independent. And of course, if you want them to depend on your dance world, you know that you have so many children, isn't it? And therefore, if it is divided among you, depending on your dad. You know, so all of you here, I know you are here standing, deciding to work hard in order to earn your decent life, and you are commanded by scripture, and you are told to make it, you are, Ambition, to live a quiet life, and that way, then you win the respect of our outsiders. When you preach, the other people will listen to you. That's one reason for working. Then there's an, another reason for working, found in Ephesians 4:28, and this is the reason that is given us: He who has been stealing must steal no longer. So, brethren, we stop doing what? Stealing. Wow, That is very serious but now the the what we are told is but must work doing something useful with his own hands living a quiet life being able to provide to yourself uh, gaining honor and respect Up to there we are okay god you're within the scripture you had said and then another reason is given this this extends the argument that it says that he may have something to share with those in need okay so it is beyond me. I need to work in order to have respect, in order to raise up my family, but I also need to work with another higher motive so that I have something I only share with those in need. Now, that looks like a very other serious goal in life. And I want to say this, Brethren, this thing we have seen is a gift of giving and only a few people are able a few a few people are able to operate in this gift very few just like we have very few apostles just like we have got very few pastors all all of you are pastors here so <laughs> so even here in this even here in this body of christ there are those of you that will only stay here only working to survive, working just to live and have a decent life. But the Bible seems to give us the, another option of working in order to have something to share, to give, I imagine, because you, you because you people, you love Jaikuati see you very much, don't you? And some of you are going to finish college. In the next uh, five years, you'll still be remembering... Jake what, see you. What if two of you, when you went out there to work, you had the gift of giving? What would happen and you felt abandoned for the CEO of Jake what? Because I know the majority of you here, when you go out per year, you will be earning more than a million shillings. What if you said, My church has got so many givers, I want to be giving my tithe only? Where I was fed through the Christian Union, where we used to dance here and my church, I've just found people there so they are my fellow brethren, but where I think children are feeding and growing I'll give my type and you are and, and and uh, earning more than a million per year, and there are only two people, only two people for the next two, two or five years, imagine how much money you'd be getting in the j if there were people even gave them the code but now Unfortunately, most of you are just living a quiet life. But then even that quiet life is very noisy because what happens that brethren when they go when they go to work <laughs> when they go to work you buy a kafit, you buy a small order, and then after you have you have been promoted and business continues to go, you start screaming along the road. You you buy a sub, a four-wheel drive. Everybody turns around, you buy a kamazides you buy, you, you move from the village, you go and you buy a plot of land somewhere and you start screaming everybody, who is that one, who is that one, who is living there? And yet thing God's command is we live a what? A quiet life. Without screaming but in the wrong way so that there is no money to use in the kingdom of God. What if just a few brethren got the gift of giving and they nurtured it? I propose to you brethren today, if the church of Christ would nurture all believers as givers, do you know what would happen to the church? The church would be lending to the government. The believers would be pouring so much money, like in the early church. The Bible says it was being poured at the feet of the apostles. Just They could not hold you the hands. The hands could not hold. That was They had to pour it there. Do you know if the believers would be nurture the gift of giving? the church would be donating money to run the government through all false. but only very few brethren succeeded to reach here focus focus the other day i know the budget for the focus is now 45 million and then we are being told by the lenders now we have a deficit i think of 6 million i wanted to ask i want you to ask yourself since focus started the ministry to the CEOs, and in top-class universities. How many graduates went out there and they earning earning million? Just tell me. How many? Huh? many. What if they are the gift of giving? Focus today. Focus today on be receiving millions per month, if only a few of them are the gift of giving. Do you know, here in your CU, you'll be having a forecast staff dedicated to you only because people have the gift of giving they are just giving focus more and more and more because there are a few brethren who have the gift of giving but now look having so many graduates out there conquering the world climbing mountains of success and the only thing you see are okay, is wasting money for the lord because they have not known that apart from <laughs> living a decent life there is a lot more that can be done in the kingdom of God. What was I saying? We need to nurture the gift of giving. When you nurture that one, you'll affect the church radically. The next principle is, it is better to give yourself wholly to God than to think of giving your money. Before you think of giving God your money, ask the question, have I given myself wholly to the Lord? Going back to the book of the Corinthians, which, which is so central in understanding the doctrine of giving, this is what we notice about the Macedonian church in, in, in verse 3 to 5, Second Corinthians 8, 3 to 5. I testify that they gave as much as they were able to. Good up to there, it's very good. We always give within our ability. I testify, so this is what I report, that they gave as much as they were able to. Very good, but listen to the next statement. They gave much more than they were, uh-huh, and even beyond their ability. Now underline that one at your own time, find out what being, and uh, giving beyond their ability means. Entirely on their own, <clears throat> they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Now. This is unusual, this is beyond the ordinary. Verse five says, and they did not do as we expected. Now, Paul, what is the expected thing? The expected thing is this one. Brethren give when they have. Two, brethren give when they are asked. Those are the expected things, and that's what, what I'm saying. The majority of us wait for the mission to be there and then we start giving. See, I've, I've heard you are giving. See, so, you. <laughs> the expectation is you give, you can't give what you don't have. And then you give when it is. But this brethren did the extraordinary thing. They did not do as we expected. First of all, they gave beyond their ability, number one. Then entirely on their own, out of your own initiative, without even being told, out of your own initiative, you plead. Now, another one, click. can you imagine brethren pleading to be included? So there are brethren in the CU who are telling the missions co- c- committee, please, make sure that the fund is not closed until I have given. Brethren pleading <laughs> to be included. Now, in the stand of brethren pleading, they are, oh, please, brethren, make sure, make sure, okay. Pleading with us for the privilege. Now look another word says here. Privilege. When there's a privilege there, I said, when you give willingly, there is a way in which you have understood God's purpose so well that you can't miss out in the building of the tabernacle, the building of the temple. God, I want when you are stepping there, I wanted to be stepping on my goal because I won't be counted. I want to be associated with your success. So at this point, when the brethren give themselves to the Lord, their owner, then they want them to do everything where God was they wanted it to be. So if they did not have money in the pockets, they would ask, what else do we have? We have a Aha. Uh-huh. Now in, uh, in my village, and I know in most villages in Kenya now, we have got many drunkards. And what the drunkard men do is at the time when the people are not at home, an ingia kitchen, an one kasufria, an atoroka, an apeka kwa ba, an akunyo. An angaria ten akunam nyumbani an ingia, kitu ananda kus. Is that so in your village? Until fathers and drug addicts have sold to everything to drink themselves to death. Let's go to the opposite. The opposite is exactly the same. People who have given themselves to God first and they want to be where God is. Where God's purpose is, I can't miss there because I live for God's purpose. So they go to the house and ask, mom, this television doesn't seem to be serving very good purpose. Can we sell it to university in that place? Barnabas went and said, ah, this a plot of ours. I don't know when uh, we shall build on it. Can we sell it and bring to the foot of the apostles? Yes. So people start giving beyond their ability. So you'll find that brethren have no excess. They have a lot, but they have nothing excess. They are giving all to the Lord. Today, if you go in the homes of brethren, hey, brethren have got three cars. They have got four cars and there are some missionaries there who are crying to God, oh God, if you could only give us a vehicle. These brethren don't see anything, they don't know where their opportunities for giving, they are dead, as far as God's purpose is concerned. They are only living for themselves. Hey, brethren, Giving a serious business in God's kingdom, but only few are able to operate at that point. And I've said it is because it is a gift of the spirit, so you can nurture it. You can decide with the God, with the Lord that that is possible. So then we ask, why would some brethren want to give themselves fast to God? It is because these brethren don't give themselves fast to God. Understand something in First Corinthians six twenty. In First Corinthians six twenty, we read this, and you can read the rest for yourself. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, body is the one that works. So, honor God with your wealth. You are bought at a price. So, actually, you yourself, when you got born again, you call Jesus your Savior and the Master and the Lord and the King. Is that true? If if Jesus is your Master and the Lord and the King, then you are his slave. And if you are a slave, the slave is owned completely by the master. So it means your money, your happiness, your joy, all of them belong to the master. That's why the Corinthians, because they gave themselves to the Lord first. What they were doing is they were only saying, master, we are so sorry that we are born again, but we have not surrendered our lives to you. First of all, we surrender ourselves to you as we ought to be, because you are our master and we are your slaves. When they enacted that spiritual reality, everything belongs to the Lord. So, brethren, one of the reasons why people don't <laughs> operate in the gift of giving is that Christ is their Savior, but he is not the Lord and the King and the Master. If, indeed, you own all their property, they are the ones who should be proving that God wants them to buy that. You cannot touch the property of the King even if you are in his kingdom without permission. So, you are there, you are a slave, you live in a very nice house because you are a slave of the master and now you have to go to the master and ask, master I've got so much money this time, do you want me to buy another car? He says, no, let's send that money to Ethiopia. <laughs> you are talking to a king and a lord and unfortunately brethren today many, many of us do not make Christ the lord and the king of our property. That's why the church is poor. We only live to ourselves, and uh, for that reason, the church suffers a lot of want. So it is better. It is better to give yourself only to the Lord. That's what you are supposed to have done in the first place. And when you realize that your money, your are, your are everything you have belongs the Lord, then you dedicate it to Him. You will be touching anything. God, you want us to give this? Yes. You want us to give this? And you don't have any problem because the more you give, another one comes. The more you give, another one comes. It's like a well. The only way for the well to remain fresh is to keep giving. See, deal. The more you give, the more water springs up. You realize that hey? This thing of giving. Now, I want you to imagine. What do you think happened when Jesus wanted to feed the five thousand, And he was given. First of all, he was given the fish and the bread. Then he broke and gave to the apostles, and they were to do what they were to distribute. Now, I want you to imagine what was happening in the hands of the apostles. They were not going back again to the master to collect more. (laughs) The fish were not coming from a central place. It was divided, and they were given. So what do you think was happening? The more they gave, the more it increased in their hands, and the more they multiplied. They became multipliers of the blessing of Christ now. That's the amazing thing that happens when you are a giver. When you realize the money God has given is only the starting point. And the, the more you give, the more it multiplies. Ah, do you remember a lady who was told to get all the jugs and then she was told to put all. The more she gave, the more the oil continues to fill. I mean, where was it coming from? I don't know. Where were the fish coming I don't know. It is a heavenly, divine thing. So. Giving is divine. The more you give, the more you have. And therefore, what do you become? A steward. You become a supplier. I am. Um, we support some missionaries. With my family, we support some missionaries. And one of our policies is that we will never be asked for money by especially stemmers. And we fail to honor that. Okay, I don't like to. To say it so loudly because many of them might just want to take advantage, but any stemmer who says, I'm going for stem work, if they do ask, we'll give. Don't ask me how much, but we give something significant, After all, they just want fifteen thousand per month. So they don't want much. Uh, brethren, you can become so good when you start giving. You just become a steward for the Lord. You will multiply what you have until you feel it is not good to hold so much. God has overblessed me. You simply become a manager and a steward. But when you stand close to yourself holding the little you have and only using it to yourself, that's the poverty that you bring into your life. Ah, good. What were we talking about? Uh, I, w- I will skip... I will skip the principle of number four, it is better to be generous than to tithe. Let me skip that for a while. If we have time, I will come back to it. But please note, it is better to be generous than to tithe. You will ask these brethren who have been there from the beginning what I mean, and they will teach you. If we have extra time, I will come back to it. I want to go to principle number five, the value of what you give, is in proportion, not in the amount. That's another very interesting principle. If you look at Jesus in Luke 21, from 1 to 4, Jesus was sitting where the money basket was, and people came pouring and pouring and pouring. And then he saw this old lady come and drop their two pieces of coins. And Jesus called his disciples and, and told them, you see that lady there? That lady? She has, gi- she has given much more than everybody. Allah. Right? Why? Because her, then they were given, the, because her, she has given everything she was to live on, but these others were growing big amounts of money. there. So they have given less, the lady has given more. What can we say, brethren, <clears throat> if one of us gets a salary of one million, and we came here to greet the CEO, And one of your uh, former colleagues who is just scavenging around looking for something to do and live, is employed a salary of 10K just an internship waiting for something better to come. So this brother gets 10K per month. We have an engineer or some, someone who gets 100 uh, 100K per month. So they come to visit you. The one who gets 100K per month he comes with the 10k and wow, 10,000 shillings. Ooh, good, 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 good. Then there is his brother who is an intern and he gets 10k per month and he comes with 2,000 shillings. 2,000. Who has given more? The intern Zidio. Because his one tenth would have been 1k and therefore he has given beyond his ability. So when you value, the, when, if you are some me- mendos to give to the givers, eh? if you are some mendels and this brother who, who now, when you are doing the factorial for the brother who has given two, please don't give him the same factorial for the brother who has given what, are, what looks like much. Because this one who has given what looks more has actually not given much. Now that is very interesting mathematics of God. And that is the reason why Jesus said that Please don't impress people. In Matthew 6, 3 to 4, he says, let your giving be in the secret because only the one who sees in the secret can see exactly the value of what you give. So what does that teach us? It teaches us when we make the decision to give. First of all, we must know that we are giving to the Master. He knows what we leave behind. And we should not try to create an impression because the impression can be very false. And that's the kind of impression that Ananias and Sapphira wanted to create. I don't know how much we are not told in scripture how much Ananias and Sapphira left behind. But I normally think in my judgment, they took they took to God only a tenth of what they bought the land in, because in their judgment they were feelings. We have sold that land and we have given God this portion, isn't it? So it what's a big deal? We have already given what belongs to God and then God was very, very unhappy. What is the importance of knowing that the value is in proportion? It calls for our sincerity when we are giving. When you are making your decision to give, ask yourself, how much am I leaving behind? Am I just giving to create an impression to the pastor? Am I giving an impression to the people that are asking? Or... I am giving in order to please the Lord. And that means that then the proportion may be just an indicator of on the fact that God desires that you give for a specific reason. This would call us then that when we come to giving, we have to ask God, God, do you want me to participate in that project? And God tells you no. There are some projects in our church which we don't give. No, this one is not worth our our sharing. Others is okay, but for us, no. This is not a serious project. We want to put our money where the missionaries are, where they are struggling. And that is us, because we shall find our income in heaven. Praise the Lord. So because God values what you give, make it valuable, okay? Make it valuable by deciding whether it is a worthy project to be supported with your income. Very good. Uh, number six, and I'm now at zero minutes of my progress. <clears throat> it is more blessed to give than to receive. And number seven, giving has eternal value. Giving us eternal value. Please know that you receive back what you give. It doesn't get lost. The Bible says in Luke 6, 8, Give, and they shall be given unto you in the same measure. And I would want to say, giving is a natural law. It doesn't matter whether you are Muslim or a Hindu or a heathen when you give. Because uh, in giving, there are rewards. it just works like you throw a stone up, it comes down. It doesn't matter whether it's a Muslim or an African who throws a stone up. It always comes down. In giving is not a Christian principle. It's only picked to be put. We are being appealed to to use it. It is a universal principle. Everybody that gives, receives. For that reason, then we must give because what you give doesn't get lost. And to make matters worse, what we give according to Matthew 6, 19 to 20, is it goes into heaven. We are told, hey, 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 you people, store your wealth where there is no rust and there is no mud and there is no inflation and there, is no, there are no campaigns here. Sometimes you are down, other times you are up. Brethren, if you are going to heaven, please store your wealth where it will not find any harm. So if, brethren, you are going to heaven like me, are you going there? If you are going there, then store something there, isn't it? So that we shall rule when we go. And now, this is what makes giving very interesting. You receive here on earth, amen, and when you go to heaven, what you continue giving, you find it there. The rest of the people of the world don't know about the eternal part. They only know here, and it works for them. We would be so happy brethren, to give because we know we shall find it in eternity. Now, for the sake of uh, making it clear to most of you why principle number six exists, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me just give you this in summary. When your parents give, I just want to illustrate it in brief. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When you go home, your dad, uh, your dad gives you school fees or pocket money, so you feel very happy. Ah, oh, dad, you are so nice. As you come back from home and you meet here with the by. With all of you who have gotten something pocket money from your parents, you feel very, very happy. Now, tell me, when you look at the eyes of your parents as they give you, do they look as happy as you? (laughs) Please, please be honest with me. Do they look as excited and as happy? If those parents (laughs) are like me, I feel like... uh, I have been left minors <laughs> to invest in my children. But do you know, although my face doesn't look happy, do you know, because I have a child at Jaykuat, I am able to educate them. And I know that I can tell people in the village, you know, my child is at Jaykuat, is doing special engineering, he's doing bachelor of this. Do you know, it makes me fit in the society it it defines what a good parent is. It gives me dignity. Ah, that, that's a very serious home. You talk about what those people they, they have taught their children they are hard working community. I mean, the children are so well they are up there in society. That is a joy that your father gets. He gets something much more than happiness. He gets fulfillment. He gets purpose. So when the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's because the recipient just clapped the hands and his need is met now. But the one who gives has an, 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 an act of endorsement for the purpose he lives for. You give the dad against the pride of being able to educate his children. He gets the dignity of being respectable. So, when you give, the purpose for which you give is what gives you the reason for living, your identity. Praise the Lord. So, we were saying, just a few minutes, that you could be a giver. You could nurture the gift of giving. And what if you nurtured the gift of giving and then you came to the CU and you give, and you hand them giving as story. You know, we are so blessed in this. There are some two brethren you don't even know them by name, and they always said 10K to the to they see you and they are saying think, to make other people's lives good. And that's a higher level of living. So brethren, when the Bible says it's more pleasant to give than to receive, aha, that's the reason. Try it, it will define your purpose and you'll feel, yeah, I think it's worth living. I used to support, just to give you an example, I used to support some missionaries with 100,000, one, <laughs> 100 shillings on airtime. So, I made sure that I would give them from M You know, when you give airtime through M Pesa, not doesn't say we are sent. It would just say topped up. I support them, I think, for two or three years. And they always waited for that 100 bob <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to land in there. Bing! Ah, they are scalp. They never knew that I'm the one. So, we stayed, stayed. I felt I need to increase that money from, from 100 to 500. So, I thought, at least for the sake of Helping them to be thankful, I am going to let them know that I'm the one who has been sending them now that I've increased to 500. When they know that I was the one, they were so happy. Yet me had always been happy doing it. So <laughs> giving can be fun, giving can be real fun, bring you happiness, and that's what you do when you nurture the gift of giving. Giving becomes so sweet because you can see people's lives improve. You can see mission work going on. And you know, God, I'm so privileged to have been chosen by you to make these things happen. That's my joy. Can we, brethren, commit ourselves to be those kinds of givers that God can rely on to move his agenda in the CU and in the church because you are living for a bigger cause? And that is the call and the gift and the purpose of giving. There are so few brethren with that gift. I'm praying for some in the Church of Christ because they will completely change the way the Church operates. May the Lord help us. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We pray that God out of this group of wonderful brethren, you will nurture some of them to have the gift of giving, the purpose of giving, who will give themselves first to you, and so everything they have belongs to you. People who will be living truly a quiet life and not a noisy life by the kind of vehicles they drive and the places they live, but they will be so serious in investing in the kingdom because that's why you have given them talents. I pray that you may call some of these brethren, Lord, to give with that higher calling, higher purpose, where you have listed the givers among the apostles. For Gondi, we are the such apostles of giving, the Church of Christ will be different. Indeed, the Church of Christ will be lending to the government. Lord, we pray for such people in the end times who can finance the gospel to every corner of the world where people are willing to go, but they may have no finances. This is our mandate, Lord. This is our call, Father. We pray that you make it possible for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.